It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome to another series. I'm so excited to get into this idea because I think for those of us who are living in this culture today, it's an important reality that we need to not just talk about, but actually experience. So this little mini-series I'm calling Become an Island of Peace Amidst the Seas of Turmoil. Now, that may just was kind of a mouthful, but really the idea is what would it look like that regardless of what is swirling around us, regardless of the craziness, regardless of culture, regardless of the political climate or the economy or whatever, what would it look like if you and I actually lived with tremendous peace, hope, and joy? Now, I really want to focus this entire mini-series on this passage from, from Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what Paul says to those in Philippi. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? That we as believers are to have this reality. We are to have this constancy. What is it? It is the peace of of our Lord, and that peace peace should guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. So here's really the question. What is peace? It's interesting that the word peace in the New Testament shows up 91 times and is in every single book of the New Testament except for 1 John. But when you think about peace, I, I don't know what you imagine when you imagine peace, but uh, I, I naturally, re, you know, kind of my default is sitting on a beach somewhere, perfect 70, 75 degree weather, a glass of lemonade or sweet tea in hand, and just relaxing, listening to the waves hit the shore. That just seems, that just seems peaceful, <laughs> you know, and especially, especially right now, it's like winter months in Colorado. So being on a nice warm beach sounds absolutely blissful, but biblically that is not peace. Now that may give you a measure of peace, but that's really not peace. When you look at peace biblically, there's actually two ideas. The Greek idea, which is more of that New Testament concept, peace is this harmonious relations and freedom from disputes, harmony or tranquility. But really the, the word peace, this idea of he, uh, the word shalom in Hebrew is this idea of a removal of enemy faction. It contains the idea of well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness and wholeness. So when the writers of the New Testament are writing about peace, they're not just pulling from some Greek idea of peace, this harmony, this tranquility, that is included, but it's more this Old Testament idea of shalom. Now, again, when you look at this idea of shalom, it's this idea, it's a removal of enemy faction. Even if the enemy is surrounding you, you are able to stay calm and you're peaceful. Why? Because you know who fights on your behalf. So there's this tremendous peace that you can have. So it's a removing of that enemy faction, or it is this, this idea, again, of uh, has this idea of well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness. I love this idea that has this idea of completeness or wholeness, that, that if you were to experience true shalom, it's this idea that, oh, that you would be whole and complete. And I love the fact that this word, shalom, was the greeting, not only in the time of Jesus, but even to this day. When you walk past a Jew in Israel today, the greeting is shalom, that you're actually pronouncing this peace upon their lives. What an incredible idea. So here's the question. 
If we are to be full of peace, if this peace that surpasses all understanding, if it is to guard our hearts and our minds, where on earth are we going to get it? And it really boils down to this idea that God is a God of peace. Let me give you several scriptures that just emphasize this idea. Romans chapter 15, verse 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. It's not that God merely has peace. He is peace itself. As 2 Corinthians 13, 11, and then it's also found in a variety of other places. But, but listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And then here's the statement, and the God of love and peace will be with you. That again, it's not that God merely has love and peace. He is love and he is peace. Isn't that a neat idea? That I can actually come to the God of peace. And when I get close to the God of peace, I begin to experience his peace peace. Isaiah 9, 6, you, you know this verse well, but it's that prophecy about the coming Messiah, Jesus. And it says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name, get this, his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And again, a name isn't just a name. A name in the Bible is this idea of character, nature, life, attitude, that kind of stuff. So think about this. The character, the life of our Jesus is that he is the prince of peace. So again, you've you got to grab a hold of this idea that where am I going to find peace? Well, he is our peace. That he himself is our peace. That God doesn't merely give me peace. He is my peace. So if I am longing for peace in my life, it's not that I need to go, and, oh God, would you, could you give me this pill called peace? Oh, could, could you give me this little you know, thing, this, this random thing called peace? It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a pill that he gives you called peace. When we ask God for peace, do you know what he gives us? He gives us himself. That is so critical to understand. That peace is found in nowhere else except Jesus, he is our peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul is very clear. He's talking about what God has done between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and Paul says in Ephesians 2, 14, for he, Jesus himself, is our peace. So again, you do not need to look for peace. You do, need, you do not need to somehow scrounge up this experience called peace. You need Jesus. And so in the midst of the craziness we live in, in the midst of the difficulties, in the, in the midst of the hardships that you may be facing, and if you're saying, wow, I, I really need some peace in my life, the answer to that is Jesus. You need Jesus. And if you're like, well, I already have Jesus. I, I, I get that. <laughs> you need the fullness of Jesus to be peace in your life. So what if rather than going to him saying, God, could you please give me peace, 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 peace? What if we would go, Jesus? You are the Prince of Peace. You are my peace. So Lord, could you expand that in my life and could you bring rest to my soul? In Galatians chapter five, it's the fruit of the spirit. You know it well, but Paul says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Get this. They are the fruits of the spirit. 
which means that when the Spirit of God lives inside of your life as a, as a, as a believer, do you know what begins to happen in your life? You begin to produce fruits. Now, these are not, the, the fruits of the Spirit are not listed so that you can go out, go out and try to produce them. This isn't a, a grit your teeth and try to struggle and try to force this thing out of your life. We don't struggle to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It is the natural outflow of our lives when the Spirit of God resides within us. So again, think about this. He himself is our peace, which means when his Spirit lives inside of us, what is he going to produce in and out of our lives? Peace. So if you want to experience the totality, the fullness, the reality of peace in your life, you need Jesus. Now think about this statement from Philippians 4, 7 again. It has this idea that the peace of God is to surpass all understanding. Let me, let me read you the verse again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace isn't just some minuscule little idea of peace. This peace is so overwhelming, it is going to blow your mind. <laughs> it is going to surpass your understanding. It's going to be far beyond all that you could hope or imagine. Now, that word for surpass, when you look at it in the Greek, it has this idea of to rise above, to be exceptionally valuable. It is to surpass or excel. It is to be or become of greater quality or value, and it's to be elevated in rank, character, or status. And interestingly, this word in Greek is used four times in the New Testament. Three of those are here in the book of Philippians. So think about what Paul is saying. He says that there is this peace of God, which is going to rise above. It's going to be exceptionally valuable. It's going to excel and surpass all that you could imagine in your life. That this isn't like, well, God, can, can I just get this little tiny bit of peace in my life? God goes, I don't give little tiny bits of peace. <laughs> I give peace. And this peace surpasses all understanding. Now, what if you and I could live in that reality? Paul makes it clear that that peace, which surpasses all understanding, is actually going to protect us. Look at Philippians 4, 7 again. Paul says that this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, get this, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word for guard, I love this. The word for guard is a military term, and it means to guard, to detain, to confine, to be secure and kept under watch, to keep watch over or to post troops in order to keep a watch or a guard. This is a word that is used that if you had a little city, you, you would post a guard around the city to protect the city. So there's an enemy out there and the enemy is trying to get in. So what do you do? You put this guard all around the city to guard and protect it. Paul says, do you know what God's peace does in your life? God's peace literally comes and becomes the protector, the guardian of your heart and of your mind. In this world that we live in today, we have all this craziness. We have all this just stuff pressuring upon us. You watch the news, we get distracted. You just look at culture, we get, we get discouraged. There, there's all this stuff that's happening that could easily dissuade our hearts and our minds. And yet it is the peace of the Lord which is going to guard it. In understanding this idea of the heart and the mind, let me explain, explain in terms of what one scholar said. I think this would really help us in terms of understanding what Paul means by heart and mind. This is what one scholar said. He said, together, these words, hearts and minds, refer to the entire being of the Christian. So it's your emotions, affections, thoughts, and moral choices. 
It is this inner part of a person then, so vulnerable to attack by the enemy. It is that which God's peace is set like battle-ready soldiers to protect. Don't you want that? Don't, don't you want this peace that surpasses all understanding to actually become like this military force in your life that actually guards your heart and your mind? We as believers desperately need that. And again, he himself is our peace. So you do not need to look to any other place outside of Jesus. Could I encourage you to go after Jesus afresh? Could I encourage you to kind of turn down the volume of the world around you, spend some time with our Lord and say, Lord, you are my peace. And your promise is, is that that peace, which is far beyond I can even imagine, it is surpassing my understanding. That peace is supposed to protect my heart and my mind. That, that, that it, my emotions, my affections, my thought processes are to be guarded and protected by your peace. We as believers need to live in that reality. And oh, what an amazing thought it would be if we did. It is available to you because it is Christ Jesus himself. Oh, press into our Lord. Now, over the next three sessions, I'm going to be diving even deeper into this idea of the peace of God. And what does it actually mean to live in this phenomenal reality of peace, this island of peace amidst the seas of turmoil. So I would encourage you to join me in these next three sessions as we look at this idea further. Now, if you're listening via podcast or watching online, you can find all of those, these next three episodes by going to ellersley.com forward slash daily and click on this particular episode and you'll have access to those three uh, other sessions for free on that same page. Now, before I let you go, I'm just excited to share with you a media piece from Leslie talking about her upcoming marriage and motherhood material. If you are a wife and a mother of young children, have you ever wondered if it's really possible to not just survive that season of your life, but to thrive through it? I've created an eight-week course called Marriage and Motherhood, and it's all about bringing Christ into the center of marriage and family. And I'll be sharing with you some of the most important biblical truths that have really strengthened me throughout my 25 years of marriage and my 15 years of motherhood. And I pray that you'll be blessed by this course. I'm very excited about it. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.